You're listening to Better Ideas, and we're encouraging people to download the Acast app so you can watch along as well as listen with all the great photographs. And with me is a man with a secret passion is Ed Hamaji talking about photography. This is one of your great loves. I thought you were going to say nude wakeboarding because that's not one of my great loves. <laughs> that's next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, photography is a, is a really big part of my life. I, I, it's tough to be honest, Pete, because I've been working on Better Homes for, well, this is my 17th year on the show. I started just after my daughter was born. And it's a great job, but along the way, I have had a second career uh, in photography. But it's hard to talk about that because I think most people expect you to be one thing and one thing only. So if you're that guy who cooks on telly, you're that guy who cooks on telly. Yeah, you can't be good, good at two things, yeah. No, that's well, that's right. I mean, you know, I, I talk about people about the, the charity work I do, and they can get their head around that. I can talk about the fact that, you know, I'm... Uh, I play AFL still, um, <coughs> National AFL Ninth Champions, did I mention? <coughs> Sorry. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the photography thing, I think if it was just a hobby or a, a personal passion project, I think people would get their head around it. But the fact that I, I run a very successful photographic studio specialising in commercial product and editorial photography, people find that very weird. I, I recently had a, a major client. Like I, I'm talking like a, a, a listed, ASX-listed client who had booked through our agent for me to for us to shoot their product and I turned up at the shoot and the creative director had an absolute fit and he said what are you doing here there are no extras needed for this and I said <laughs> actually I'm not here to stand in front of the camera I'm standing behind it and he couldn't he was about to cancel the shoot until eventually he rang his office and said they said no 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 he shot our last campaign too this is still photography right this is still photography yeah yeah so how did you get into it well, I first started off when I was a kid I got my first 35mm film camera when I was 12. I was a kid who, uh, I was an odd kid, Pete. Uh, You might not, yeah, I know, it's strange. And I developed a fascination with the world in miniature. And I had, a, I had a really great set of Matchbox cars. And out the back of mum and dad's place, I built this, uh, this dirt track for them to race. It was great. Oh, man, I was good at racing yeah. Matchbox. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but I, used to, I didn't like, sort of kneel on top of the cars and race them around. I used to lie down as low as I could get my face to the ground so I could see them at scale. Yes. And then I realized that, that, that I was seeing the world in a really unusual way. And when I got my first camera, the first photos I was taking were a series of images of these cars in the middle of doing jumps and the like, which we set up using fishing wire and all those sorts of things. And like you, you, we, there'd be a mound with a, like a, um, uh, a Mustang doing a huge airborne. Uh, and it was all, all strung up on, on fishing wire, which you could, I learned you could actually disguise by using the right kind of backlight, which meant that it got washed out in the contrast. And it looked literally like a, a matchbox car taking a jump. And I started ending photographic competitions, and I was you know, sort of winning things here and there. And I think I sold a few, probably to family, but you know, I sold a few photos. It sounds like photography is an older passion than obviously food for you. Uh, they developed a similar sort of an age. Look, it's funny. Uh, why photography, I guess? Uh, the things I've done over my life. Photography, cookery, working in TV, working in radio, writing books, uh, writing non-fiction political stuff. I did history and law at university. And you look at that, people go, well, none of that matches. But actually, they do. They are all different forms of storytelling. You know, you can tell a story through imagery, you can tell a story with ingredients, you can tell a story in front of a, uh, a jury, you can tell a story in front of a camera, you can tell a story on a, on a microphone. For me, it is the way in which we as human beings connect to one another and create experience for, 
that, that ex- experiences that can be shared. That's the driving interest for me, and I think that's what photography does. It's all form of, of, of communication. If we get back to the, the visual medium, which obviously mm. you, you lean towards, in terms of photography, I mean, all these advances now from your original camera you had when you were a kid to the phones now, I mean, what do you use to take your great shots? Well, that's a, it's a real strokes for folks thing. Um, you know, I'd be... I'd be lying to you if I said I'm not one of those photographers who thinks that you need different equipment for different projects. There are some, like one of, one of my favourite photographers, a guy I've worked with for many years, uh, JP Urizar, if you ever need a great guy, he is fantastic. I mean, he pretty much uses two rigs as far as I know, maybe three, but you know, he uses a, a medium format, he uses a mirrorless camera and he uses an SLR. For me, my main camera that we use for, for commercial and editorial stuff is a thing called a phase one rig. That's... I mean, you're talking about a deposit on a, a high house. end stuff. It's, yeah. a, you, you, it's, yeah. it's more than a deposit on a house in Sydney to buy that sort of a rig. Yeah, absolutely. And you're talking about lenses that can be fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a lens. Um, but what it gives you in terms of not just resolution but dynamic range is important. And for those of you who are actually interested in photography, this is the really interesting thing. Resolution refers to the number of individual pixels that you will have within a frame, and that's important. But within those pixels, how much variation of color can you get? That's the dynamic range. And the thing that differentiates good and great photography is not pixelation, but dynamic range. The revolution in photography from obviously film now into the digital world and your your photography of food and that sorts of things what yep. are some of the tips you could give people who want to take you know they don't want to invest you know take it no no no, no 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 not they, at all they want to take a, a great photograph for social media or for other purposes well remember you know the, the company in the world that has the most number of people who work on their camera program is apple i think from from what i read recently over 350 people work full-time at cupertino at apple just on the camera program I mean, so those people are really, Apple, you know, is, and whatever sort of phone you might have, but those people are very invested in, in delivering better quality cameras. And they can take pretty good images. Mm-hmm. Look, one of the big things, oh, let's go food. All these people go out to lunch, brunch, breakfast, dinner, whatever, and they take photos of what they're eating and put it up on social media. Okay. I actually don't understand why you do that, but if you want to do no, it, I don't know. Great, anyway, if you bizarre. want to do it, <laughs> you want to do it well. Yeah. Okay. First thing you need to know is that most rooms have what we call downlights. Are you as, a, yes. as an architect? Are you in favour of downlights? No, I'm not. No, why? No, because it dampens all the light down and it, it actually saps the mood of a room. Saps the mood of the room and yeah. saps the, root, the, the mood of the food as well. So what you need to do if you're in a room with downlights and you want to take a photo of your food and. Look, for most things, not everything, for most things, a top-down shot is going to be more reliable for you, particularly given that most chefs, when they're plating, have their head over the plate. That's how they've seen the plate, right? What you need to do, and you're going to look like a complete weirdo as you do it, you're going to lean up over your, your plate, and you're going to ask your friend you're dining with to hold your jacket over you to create a shadow. So that way, I'm not, I'm not even yes, joking, yeah. you've got side light coming in, yep. which... Remember, photography is not actually about light, it's about shadows. It's about the absence of light, because that's what forms up shape. Shape does not come from light. Light light robs shape from images. So by creating a more shadowed area with only side light coming in, you actually get a much better looking piece of food. And yes, you will look like a complete weirdo. If it's a small plate, you can just use the menu. I'm not joking. Yes. Have a go. It works really, really so, well. So, so actually shade your subject, whether it be food or yep. the from direct light. Yep. Side lights. Alternately, if you're in a room that has large natural light coming through windows, you don't want the light coming onto where you're doing it from. You want the light to be on the three quarters from behind. It's called backlighting. So not directly behind because then it's just a silhouette. 
But imagine 45, 50 degrees off to one side or the other. And conventionally, I don't know why it is, it's, a, it's about human beings to the right-hand side will give you a better looking image. And photograph it a little bit further back. So don't get too close because you get a bit of what's called spherical aberration, the, the lens distortion. Hang on, the, the, you're talking about camera right or subject? The light should be coming from behind the subject to the right-hand side at a 45-degree angle. And then take your camera further back than you want to. Don't fill the frame. The reason is, as you get closer, the lens distorts, and so you get things curving. What you want to do is download any one of the many free apps that you can get for your phone for editing photographs. I mean, there's Viesco, you've got uh, Lightroom. I use a thing called Afterlight. And then what you do is you will... You've got more data in the image than you need for social media anyway. There's enough information there. And you'll crop it inwards, which means that you end up with an image that doesn't have the distortion in the corners. And you will immediately see the distinction between a, an image with distortion and an image without corner distortion. It looks so much better. Um, the other thing so it's you, like Photoshopping after you've taken it. You is it? always, oh, oh, my heart is breaking, Pete. You always edit your photos before you post them. Have you no self-respect? No, that's the question I'm asking. No, I'm just confirming it. I'm just confirming, truly. Okay. Now, now you all know that you, if you go on, on social, a lot of these things have pre-built filters. Don't use them. No. Build your own. Yes. If you go into Photoshop or Afterlight, you can actually build. I would have said that. You, no, I, I agree. No, you really, yep. you can actually go in and save a setting. So I've, I've developed two or three settings which I use in Afterlight. Um, where, and the ones you want to really clearly look at, number one is always increase the contrast by just a small amount because it makes the image look more rich. If you increase saturation, what that does is it increases all colors. But most editors will actually have the ability to choose to increase just blue, green, red, yellow, orange, or purple. And sometimes it's just, if you've got a salad, you just want to make the greens pop. So let me just increase those. I always add a small amount of sharpening. Now, that is actually a, is an algorithm that does this, which says it's going to add more texture to the image, which is different to grain. Grain gives you a filmic look, which I think looks a bit dirty. And the last thing which you always want to consider doing, unless you've got strong backlight, is to use a small amount of what's called vignetting. That's where it shadows in from the sides. What that does is it draws the eye further towards the center of the image because it's slightly brighter. It makes the focal point of the image more impressive and uh, more connected to the viewer. Simple things. So once, you've, once you've got a version of that that you like, save that for yourself. So you can really super quickly go and simply edit. So you crop and then edit. Easy. I'm not sure how to frame this question, but... Is, so that, a you... is that a photographic pun? Because that's really bad. <laughs> Ed, having a, the food background and the photography background, I would have thought that being a real foodie, you might get a bit frustrated in, in terms of sort of tricking up f the, the photography of, of food. You know, like you, you see a hamburger and it looks amazing, and but it never is exactly as the photographs tell me. Yeah, there are three different problems at play here. When we shoot editorial food, uh, I can tell you, I can't speak for anyone else, but what you see in the images that we shoot is precisely what you would be served. We do not mess around with it Yeah, at all. that's the point I'm probably okay, trying to There make are it. people who will lacquer and glaze and yes. mist and filter. No, 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 no. I will show you exactly what the dish is. I believe there's an integrity and an honesty there. When it comes to advertorial food shots, yeah, there's a lot at play there because there is a huge investment on the part of the vendor to try and create an emotional connection between the client and the product. 
So if you don't look at the, the photo of the burger and go, wow, you're less likely to buy it. Does that mean it's maybe a bit dissembling? Yeah. Are we almost into false promises? Possibly. But then what okay, about but, this? Okay, but no, 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 yeah. so, so are you then glazing the food with stuff to make it look amazing in the photograph? Sometimes, but it actually goes into the third bit. And the third bit is where you'll actually find things really are interesting. So I also shoot a lot of makeup brands. Um, makeup brands are incredibly difficult to shoot. And the reason is that if brand X sends you uh, their new mascara to shoot for catalogue or for poster, generally speaking, the actual makeup tube itself, which has been mass produced on a factory line somewhere in Southeast Asia, uh, is actually not very good. Like the actual plastic is not very well made. The engraving of the, of the name hasn't been done particularly well. You'll find that there'll be small differences in the reflectivity of the plastics. The chrome gold look on the lid actually isn't their brand color because the ink mixture wasn't quite right. It's dodge. Well, no, it's just, it's manufacturing. I mean, you wouldn't notice it if you just went and bought it off the shelf, but when you're trying to present a brand, that's all important. And so what we will do is we would uh, set up our camera, lock it off, then we would be taking up to a dozen different frames of that same thing, all right, Uh, with lights coming from different areas, which we then take apart and stitch back together different images so that we get perfect reflections up all areas. Then our Photoshop guys are going in and they're darkening the the brand name down the front and they're changing the slightly too orange to slightly more gold on the lid. Um, They're removing all the tiny, almost infinitesimal dust particles that you you can't see there you know wow. where there's a small scratch on the the lid that's getting removed yeah that is what happens yeah, that the art becomes a science really. and, well it, it is a bit technical i mean i pity the people who do that sort of post work there are people who love it i i would find it incredibly infuriating is it dishonest i don't think so uh i think that it's a way no more than um Editing your cheer pudding from Blah Blah Cafe to put it up on Instagram to make it look sexier and redder and more amazing. No more than people using Snapchat filters to send stuff out to the world. It's a way of crafting an image in order to more accurately reflect how you want to be seen. Do you think there's too much visual stuff? I mean, you, I mean we, no, there's too much really? crappy visual stuff. Pete. Not visual pollution. You don't there's think not visual pollution. It's just. Just because you have the ability to say something doesn't mean that you should. And our airwaves and our internet and our social media feeds are being filled up with people like, I don't really need to see someone's eggs Benedict. I really don't. It doesn't add anything to my day. Does it mean I want to unfollow them? No, because sometimes they put up really funny things that genuinely make me laugh. I would just say to you, look, if you want to be relevant and interesting, make sure that what you say is both relevant and interesting. Yeah, not, not don't just post it for the sake of posting. No, and the it. same to advertisers. Don't just go and put out an image of your product because, well, you've got a budget and you need to spend it. Make sure that what you're doing is actually great. The proliferation of cameras in our society has made it possible for more and more people to be individual publishers. And there's an argument that that is a form of democratization that is really valuable. I would say, in some ways, it's driven us in, into a lowest common denominator argument where excellence is not valued as much as novelty. And from my background in cookery to what I do in photography, I will always take excellence over creativity. I would rather go to an Italian restaurant where the chef takes a perfectly sun-ripened ox heart tomato, puts a single slice on a, on a plate with a drizzle of the best extra virgin olive oil he can find in a small amount of salt and says, enjoy this meal, as opposed to going to a place where the fluffs and the foams and the silks and the, and the falling bits taste roughly like nothing. You know, I can recognize the skill that's involved in the latter, but I don't respect it.
This is Better Ideas, and I'm talking photography with Ed Hamaji. Ed, just give us a couple of points to summarise, some tips for the amateur photographer taking photos on their phone. Number one, if you can afford it, and there are a range of price points, only a DSLR camera, which uh, is an interchangeable lens camera, opens up the world for you because what it means is that you can take a range of photo types using just the one digital back. And don't worry too much about them becoming outdated because to be honest, where digital backs are at the moment, they're gonna be fine for a very long time to come. Secondly, if you wanna get good at taking photographs of food and people as portraiture, the one lens I would recommend you buy is not a zoom lens, it's a, called a prime lens, it's a fixed lens, somewhere around 80 or 85 mils. That is about the most versatile food and portraiture lens you can buy. You talk to any commercial photographer, they'll tell you, if you don't own an 80 or 85 mil lens, you're, you're missing out. The, look, the clarity, the resolution, the dynamic range you get from a prime or fixed lens as opposed to a photo, a zoom lens, it's chalk and cheese. Way, way better. You, you're gonna instantly double the quality of your photographs. And lastly, if you want to get good at taking photographs, take photographs. In the same way I say to people, you want to learn to cook, you've got to cook. And don't cook things you already know. Cook things you don't know and practice them until you're good at them and then go on to something else. If you want to get good at taking photographs of people, take photographs of people and take lots of them and review them. Don't just, a lot of people take photos and they never review them, never critically. Mm. And then lastly, Invest in a small printer. Like I bought one, shout out to Canon. Canon have a thing called a selfie. It's a, it prints little individual photos, right? 130 bucks, I got it, I can't remember where, somewhere. Print them out, put them in your room, put them in your office, look at them, appreciate them. What is the point of taking <laughs> photographs if you're not gonna look at them? Ed Hamaji, food, cook, storyteller. Thanks, Ed. Cheers, man. Well, I hope Ed has inspired you to take a few snaps and, well, taking it to the next level and maybe even printing them out and putting them on your wall. Thanks, Ed. Now, next week, I'm getting ready for summer or even a winter getaway, but concentrating on beach safety. Now, this is important. I'm getting Craig Reddington, an old Ironman mate of mine, in, and he's talking about how to read the surf, basic body surfing techniques, and how to keep the family safe on a beachside holiday. And following on from that, I'm talking to Angus Rain, the executive chairman of Rain and Horn. He's coming in and talking about how to keep the peace in a holiday home you may be sharing with your family. That's next week on Better Ideas. This Friday night on 7 at 7 is Better Homes and Gardens. And Joanna and I, well, we're often visiting a container house, a shipping container house at Church Point. Love a good old shipping container. That's this Friday night on Better Homes and Gardens on 7 at 7. You've been listening to Better Ideas. Now, Loretta Farrell is my producer, Nikki Hamilton's the executive producer, and I'm your host, Pete Calhoun. This is a 7 West Media podcast.